You're listening to Run, R-U-N, Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Hello and welcome to the Revive Us Now podcast. I am your host, Steve Gray, and we're going to talk about everything we can think of that has to do with revival. And today you want to hear every word of this because you're going to find out how to get a personal revival going in your own life, like personal revival. Or once you get this, you can go tell other people and you can get a group revival. You can get a Bible study revival or you can let it, it'll hit the whole church if you'll learn one of these principles today. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into revival, but this is a big one. And you'll find uh, you think you've heard everything about revival and revival messages and, and uh, that, but you may never heard this one. So we're going to get right into it and talk about the rich young ruler. You, you remember him, right? And uh, I got the scripture here uh, ready to go. And so Matthew 19, and this is a New International Version. It's pretty good. And uh, um, a man comes up to Jesus in Matthew 19, and, and he says, Teacher, uh, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, I don't want to get off the subject of revival and what's really the message here, but one thing we could do if you just want to know better you know, a little more educated is when a Jewish person comes up and asks somebody about eternal life, then at least they weren't talking about dying and going to heaven. See, that's become religion in the last couple hundred years or whatever. But no, they weren't talking about dying and going to heaven. What must I do to get to go to heaven? And see, that's what most people hear and read into this when they read it. He meant, what must I do to, to be part of the kingdom of God when your kingdom comes on the earth because they believe God was going to come and restore the people of God and restore them and give them the whole world. Remember, he said, the, the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, that means the world. You're going to get the whole world. And, uh, and, and so that's what he's thinking. So he's not thinking about what must I do so if I die. He's saying, what must I do if I don't die? <laughs> Okay, so, and he says, why do you ask me what is good? And uh, some of the versions say there's only one who is good, and that's God. So I thought, well, if he's calling Jesus good, he must be calling him God, right? But anyway, he says, there's only one who is good. And it, like I said, other versions say it's God. If you want to enter life, uh, keep the commandments. That's what he, he says. Now, he, then the rich guy says, well, which ones? Well, Jesus named some of them. Don't murder, adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and your mother. And then, then he tags this, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy says, why, all of these I've kept. What else do I need to do? Why do I still feel lack? What do I still lack? Now, this, this is great. Uh, education for you today because this is where people are in our world. It was way, you know, this thing 2,000 years ago was the, was the, was the teaching then but, and happening then. But it works in our lifetime right now because no matter what people have in this world today, uh, especially as we're dealing at right now, if, depending on when you hear this, you hear it a year from now, we hope that it doesn't apply. But right now we're dealing still with this COVID thing 
And people that have a lot of stuff, people that have a little bit of stuff, no matter who they are, there's a feeling, I lack something. What do I lack? What is missing in my life? Well, here this rich guy, uh, he's, he's got all kinds of possessions. He's got riches. And, and apparently, he's got a pretty good religion going because if he kept all those commandments... Now, I don't know if we can actually say he loved his neighbor as himself every time, but if he didn't, he might be deceived and think that he did. But if he didn't, at least he knows he's supposed to. He knows these commandments. He knows he's supposed to honor his father and his mother, and he knows that he's supposed to love his neighbor. So he's on the right track. If he really, get this now, if he really has done those things, and loved his neighbor, honored his father and mother, and loved his neighbor as himself. I mean, that sums up the, the kingdom of God right there pretty well, doesn't it? While he's more advanced than most of us who may not be able to say, I've done that my whole life. I've kept that my whole life. I've loved my neighbor as myself my whole life. Most people can't say that. Well, he, he, uh, he sounds like a pretty good guy. I mean, I mean, what more would he expect, right? Here's a rich guy rich young ruler so as they call him here's this rich guy he obviously knows about god he wants to do the things of god he's not opposed to the things of god he's not opposed to the word of god and he's not opposed to the commandments because when jesus said keep the commandments he didn't say well i'll never be able to do that you know i'm such a loser and uh, i've tried and failed and tried and failed no he says which ones are you talking about here I, I kept he's thinking in his own mind well i've kept everything so this guy's a success this guy is a success and and as we read about this we even find out that he's one of the few people that jesus actually called and said you could follow me follow me um and he doesn't. He doesn't. Wow. Uh, they're not some people in the Bible, you know, they'd say, I want to follow you. And he'd say, no, go back to town and tell them what's happened to you. This guy's being offered to be a follower of Jesus, maybe high up, maybe a disciple, whatever. And he turns it down. So here is an interesting thing. It looks to me like this is a guy that's got everything right. Money. He rulership apparently he's important he's got keeping the commandments he honors his father and his mother he loves his neighbor as himself and then he says to jesus what do i still lack well why wouldn't he think he had it all together why does he think he needs something else well that tells you right there no matter what you have who you are, how successful or not, whatever, your job, married, do that, got the new car house, all the great kids. There's something lacking in the hearts of mankind that we need Jesus. Because that's what he was lacking, right? That's what he's lacking. Jesus is going to tell him what he's lacking. And uh, what does he lack? What do I still lack? And he lacked Jesus. And there was the answer to his lack. But he just, you know, he's not going to do it. You probably know the story. We'll get there in a second. But just think of how many people are living in a feeling, that feeling or that noticeable lack, emptiness. And you, you try to tell them, here's what you need to do. You know, you need to get right with God and turn to Jesus. You know, you say all the things that people are supposed to do. 
to have eternal life and particularly not just die and go to heaven, but rule and reign with him on the earth when heaven and earth come together. And uh, at the very end where righteousness reigns, well, uh, but then you try to tell them, well, here's, here's what you need to do. And uh, they don't get it. They're going to go away with their lack, just like this guy. So he says, I've kept all these things. What do I still lack? And I, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself. It just amazes me that he, he admits his lack. And, it, and he just represents humanity that's just empty. Even successful empty. Yeah. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect. Well, hmm, got to think about that one. What if Jesus said that to you? See, a lot of people come to Jesus. I don't want to go to hell and die and go to hell. How do I stay out of hell? How do I get into heaven? You know, I want something to make sure that I'm, I, I want you to help me make sure of what my future is going to be after I die. And Jesus would say, well, let me tell you, here's what you need to do. If you want to be perfect, and they go, perfect? Whoever said anything about being perfect? Can you imagine preaching that sermon to this church of today, our church today? Like, okay, today the sermon is you can be perfect if you want to be perfect, or at least you should want to be perfect. Perfect? I want somebody to feel sorry for me. I need a little sympathy, a little empathy. You know, I, I want some encouragement here. I'm, and uh, be perfect? Well, how could I do that? He says, he says do this. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, this might need some explanation because uh, in our day, we, we, we get a lot of our history, you know, from the, the Catholic Church because, you know, uh, through a different part of there, before the day they were Protestants 500 years ago, everybody was Catholic. And, and uh, so we get a lot from them. And so they invented the poverty mentality to where you don't have anything and turn you into a beggar. And if you were a beggar standing on the street begging for food and, 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 and saying you loved God and you're going to serve God, or the funniest one of all is I don't know how you get anybody born again is take a vow of silence. Now, isn't that a trick of the devil? How would you ever get anybody touched by God if you took a vow of silence and they need you, they need your words, they need to hear about the Bible, they need you to pray for them. And you say, I can't, you know, I can't just uh, shake your head uh-uh, because I took a vow of silence. What a trick that is. So anyway, we get the idea that what Jesus is kind of saying is, is that, you know, having his possessions is bad and you need to give all of it to the poor. Well, that wasn't how it worked back then. You can look this up for yourself and uh, find out. That it, traditionally, uh, for the Jews, uh, you would never give everything away like today, like a vow of poverty, because then you would be poverty, and now somebody would have to take care of you because it was in their culture and in their laws to take care of each other. So you wouldn't want to make yourself a liability. So they had different levels of this, but it would probably be... Uh, whatever level he'd keep, he would keep something so that he would not be a liability so he could finance himself while following Jesus. And, you know, cause, uh, uh, I don't have, I don't know proof of this, but we can be pretty sure. Cause since Peter went back to fishing after he failed and got, you know, he failed to be able to confess Jesus and he goes back to fishing shows us that that fishing business was still going. In other words, probably he was still getting paid because he was like the boss, you know, one of the bosses. And, uh, 
and because uh, it was their family fishing business. So, so they they didn't all of them didn't quit fishing. Just he did, and and four of them were fishermen, and uh, so he could have been financing following Jesus himself through the fishing business that he's not fishing anymore. He's fishing for people. You know that. Just kind of interesting how we think that this means you become poverty stricken and follow Jesus, have nothing. Well, how are they going to do that? And by the way, if that were true, how come they had Judas carrying a purse full of money? In fact, we even find out that Judas was stealing from that purse of money. Now, you think about it for a minute. If you only got two dollars to your name and Judas comes and takes one of them, you know you've been robbed. But they didn't even know that any money was missing. What, they didn't ever keep track? No, it's that they weren't as poverty stricken. They had people giving to them. They had uh, rich people that were supporting them and women that were taking care of them. So we just get kind of off on what was really going on in the story. It was more of a group thing of, of, of joy to follow Jesus. And still, though, to follow Jesus, there is some giving up. No doubt about that. And so here we see this and we read it and we disqualify ourselves right away and miss the message because it says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. You think, well, this guy's rich. I'm not rich. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't be worth me giving up my stuff. And and uh, so we get off and, and or then we get afraid. Oh, I'm not going to serve Jesus. He's going to make me give everything away and I'll be poverty stricken not to give my house away my car away that's not gonna happen either I met a woman one time that said she would never follow Jesus I said why she said because I know in my heart he would take my children <laughs> that's what she said to me and I tried to convince her I said well you don't know the God I mean the, the this is not the God that takes your children this is the one who gives their children for God so loved the world that he gave his son why would he give his son and take yours huh so, you know, I tried to explain it to her. And anyway, um, so we read this and we think, well, that's going to, I got to be, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to get caught in this because next thing you know, Jesus is going to tell me to go sell all my possessions and become poor. Well, that's not the point. And if you don't have a lot of possessions, if you're not rich like this guy, you can really disqualify yourself from the power of this, of this message and what's really going on. So what is Jesus saying to him? See, he, he's got all this stuff, and yet he knows he has lack. Well, he's lacking because of something, and we want to know what it is. So we, he, Jesus says, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Well, why did he ask him to do that? You see, every one of us has something that Jesus is going to deal with us about. Because you know what he's asking him to do? He's not asking him to get rid of his money because he needs to keep some of it in mind. That's just my opinion to support himself so he's not a liability. But that's not really the point of this. He's really not saying money's bad, because that's been a lot of sermons. You know, the money's bad. you got to get rid of your money. And then nobody does because they don't want to get rid of their money so they don't serve Jesus and keep their money. But here's what the deal was. See, this guy was rich. He's a ruler. And, and Jesus says to him, then come, follow me. Well, he walks away sad. And it says right here, because he had great wealth. Now, there is some hook there. And most of us think, well, I don't have enough to hook me. <laughs> and you say, I wish I did. <laughs> wish I had enough to hook me, but I don't. But that's not what Jesus is saying to him. Jesus is saying, here's what you got to do. I want you to follow me. But you're going to have to get rid 
of the competition. I will not compete with your possessions. I will not compete with your wealth. Jesus was not trying to make a guy poor. He was trying to make a guy pliable so that he did not have to compete. And how many of us are failing in our walk with God and, and uh, the power of God and the presence of God, the anointing of God, because we want him to compete for our love. We want to keep everything. We want to be who we want to be. And we're not willing to get rid of the competition. Well, some of you, the competition might be entertainment. There's certainly plenty of electronic entertainment around. And some people, they just want to sit home and watch movies or go to the movies when they open back up again. And, uh, or they want to eat all they want whenever they want and just you know eat, drink, and be merry and not have any worries and just get some job and work their job and then go serve themselves. And a lot of people, their own self is too much competition for Jesus. So it never, that, that powerful relationship and that following of Jesus where, where the power of God and the glory of God is activated in your life and you've experienced the glory and you've experienced the power and you've experienced that life that says, Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life, life beyond measure, unmeasurable. You can't even measure it immeasurably. Good life. And you go, well, I never had that. Here's a clue. What is Jesus having to compete for in your life? And if you can get it in yours and get rid of the competition, you are going to have a brand new life with Jesus because he will not compete. It's not that he, 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 you know, he's going to try. No. And he gave up or something like that. No, he just won't do it. So there'll be a stopping point between you and Jesus because he's not going to compete for your love. He's not going to compete for your attention. He's not going to compete for what you feel is so important. So some people would be. It said, you know, I've got to give up entertainment. I've got to get up loving shopping so much. Uh, you know, I, I need to give up unforgiveness. I need to give up on fear. Sometimes it's fear. Just going to say, you know what? The Bible says do not fear. And there's a lot of reasons not to fear. And for some reason, I want to fear. For some reason... I want to be mad at people. For some reason, I want to be obsessed with my past. And I don't want to forgive people. And I don't want to forget. And I've been offended. And poor old me, me, me. Well, that's the competition. You're the competition. And Jesus says, I'm not going to compete with your past. I'll help you get rid of it. I'll help you fix it. But I'm not going to compete with it if you're not planning on letting it go. And so in his case, yes, it was possessions. In his case, yes, it was money. For most of us, we're not that wealthy. And so, you know, that's not what's competing. We don't have enough to compete for. But we have something. Something that's in the way of this relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you want to have revival, you want to have the glory, you want to experience heaven in this lifetime, not after you die, and go to heaven, because obviously Jesus doesn't say, well, let me talk to you about your life after death. He says, if you want to be perfect now, you want something now to happen. You want a revival now. You want to experience Jesus now and all the things you've read about. You want to have it in your life now. Well, I'm going to tell you, here's what he said to him. Go sell the competition. Go get rid of what I'd have to compete. And then come follow me. Once the competition is gone, the relationship begins and he goes and he follows him. But he didn't. He didn't. It didn't turn out that way, did it? No, it says he walked away sad. And you just look at your own life real quick now. Look at your own life. 
Are you going to just walk away sad for the rest of your life? Knowing out there near the kingdom of God is at hand. It's so near and you're going to walk away. You're going to fall for the competition. Is it really that important in this life when this is just this life's not even permanent? This is temporary and you can have treasures in heaven. So that's my advice to you today. You want revival. We're talking about revival and God coming and revive us now. Do something now, God. And he says, well, you're going to have to get rid of the competition. What's competing for my attention and power and glory? You do that and you will have a personal revival because there'll be nothing standing in the way between you and God. Isn't that good news? Father, let us get this good news today. Let us get this word. Let us learn how to operate in the kingdom of God so we can have revival in America, revival in our souls, revival in our churches, right? Rend the heavens and come down. Will you do that, Lord? We want you to do it in America, in our church, in me, in them, because we want to run with you. I'm so glad I got to spend this time together with you today. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival.